walk up to this pulpit and you hear everybody laughing <laughs> and you don't have any idea. <laughs> but you know, that type of attitude is done among friends. And thank God for our church family this morning. I have, as we think about God's word, about Father's Day, I want to go back to Israel and Israel struggled in Egypt for some 400 years in slavery under the ruthless hands of the various pharaohs. But God, in his great mercy, heard her prayers and for deliverance sent Moses to lead his people out of bondage. Now, as God was forming Israel into a great nation, he gave her instructions through the prophet or leader Moses to strengthen and bless his children. God wanted things to go well with Israel, and he knew this could only happen if the people obeyed his word. Well, this morning we want to look at a portion of scripture that would really be foundational to Israel's existence. The passage we're going to consider is known as the Shema by Jewish theologians. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now as Christians, we hold to this same heritage, except we look at our deliverance from God and sending Christ to die for our sins. We look back, they were looking ahead. For Israel to pass on God's commandments was primarily the responsibility of the family, especially the father, who was the head of the home, the one who would lead his family. In our day, the responsibility is tied to the local church, as we've seen that stewardship over the last few weeks. But it doesn't change the responsibility that is given to dads. Today we're faced with a great challenge. Many families have given up the rearing of their children to others. They stick them in daycare. They stick them in different schools. And I'm not talking about school. I'm talking about preschool stuff. And by the time they get to school, the damage has been done in many respects. Statistics show that children watch more hours of television than they will spend in 12 years of school. Sunday school and worship services are a wonderful place to help our children to learn about the Lord. But we need to remember that our children are in church only about three to four hours a week. In the public schools, they are bombarded with socialism, communism, anti-God philosophy for about 30 hours a week. Social media hits them to the extent that we think about various games that children play, violent games that lead to, I believe, part of the thinking that leads to some of the shootings in our day. I think of the socialism, the anti-God thinking that comes across. I mean, our children, our families are bombarded in every direction. And we know that the Bible has been condemned even in recent days as Actions have been taken to eliminate um, religious literature in parts of California. It's a scary day to raise children. Dads, grandpas, 
We're going to look at them next week. Men, we, we have a pro problem today. We need to make sure we're doing our jobs correctly. As we think about them, we want to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I would ask you to follow as I begin reading at verse 4, Deuteronomy 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As we look at this portion, there are certain things we want to look at. And the first is we see the Father's stewardship includes loving the God of the Word. I want to see two things basically about that. We looked at part of this last week. But there's that responsibility to love the Lord and no other gods. Verse 4, as we think about it, is often referred to as the Shema. It means to hear, listen, hear, O Israel. That means put your ear out, be ready to listen. This portion is a key portion, as we'll see later in the Jewish home. It is a call to stand at attention to what God is about to say. Similar when a father says, I got something important to tell you, now listen. You know what that means? Yeah, better listen. That's one thing I learned. We better listen when dad's talking. And when dad's talking, he's got some important things to say. God has established, first of all, that he is before all. He has told Israel what to do. He gives instructions to us. He is the one who established the home. The faith that is not to be found in Israel is called polytheism. What is polytheism? Many gods. And people today are trying to make our land a land of many gods. That is, as long as we leave the God of the Bible out. This is nothing to laugh at. It's a scary day. And yet we find here in this portion that Israel only had one God, the true, the living God. And that is our God. As we think about Father's Day today, Christian fathers today likewise are called to believe in, trust, and love the God of Scripture. To love God with everything in us. The second thing we see about this passage is that we're to love God fully. Look at verse 5. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. There are other passages similar. We'll look at at least one more. But what they're saying is we need to love God with everything in us. 
We considered that last week, but remember, such love is to pervade our self-consciousness. It has to be upon our minds as we walk forth. The strength here is referring to the body. We are to put everything in loving God with our body, with our soul, with our whole being. We find Jesus talks about that in Luke 10 when he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. What he's telling us is he's to be primary in our lives, in everything. What car should you drive? Simply put, the one that will honor God. You love God, so you're going to buy that vehicle to honor him. And on it goes in every way. The strength of man to love God. Now, there are two things I want to share about this. The first is that a man must, to be a godly father, must know Christ as his Savior. So I ask you this morning, men, do you know the Lord? Is that something you can say, yes, I know him? It's not something you, you, you hear all the time, but it's not something to put off or laugh at. It's something that's going to affect eternity and our families. Second, such a man strives to constantly deepen his relationship with Christ. Notice, as we think about loving the Lord and the motives it's going to bring into our lives, Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, when over the years, Charlotte would say something like this, do you love me? And she's not asking for a yes or no. She just wants to know it by some act. If you love me, do what I expect. And men, you must start with your own relationship to the Lord before he can truly impact your family as you should. So I ask you, do you love the Lord your God with all your being? Answer the question, because the scriptures are set before us. Here's a question you ought to ask. Do my children see in me a relationship to Christ, or do they just see a person who goes to church, and they can spot the difference? Think about it. Can people see your love for Christ, especially your children? Do they know you love Christ? Well, let's move on here. Not only are we to love the God of the Word, but a father's stewardship includes a love for studying God's Word. In our text, look at verse 6. It says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Not only does a godly father love God, but he loves the word of his God. And the man of God should seek to store that word in his heart. See, we cannot love God without loving his word. Can you imagine saying, yes, dear, I love you. Keep your mouth shut. 
You don't have any business asking me to do anything. I mean, think about it. You love God, you're going to love his word. Earlier we saw this verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. How are we doing? The word, word reveals our heart and our purpose as we think about God. He has so much to say and wants us to listen. And he speaks in his scriptures. The godly father should have the same attitude as the psalmist. Would you turn, please, to Psalm 119? Psalm 119. Verse 47. Psalm 119, verse 47. Notice what the psalmist says here. Psalm 119, 47. And I will delight myself in your commandment, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Look at verse 103. He says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I just love your word. I want to share a little story that happened one time. You'd be surprised what you can see from the pulpit, what's going on. And I remember one time years and years ago, I asked the people to turn to a passage such as we just did. And there was a young boy sitting next to his dad. And when I asked him to turn, his dad didn't turn. And he looked at the Bible. He looked at his dad. He looked at his Bible turned his head and went, what message did he give to his son about the importance of God's word? Go to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Again, reflecting upon God's word here. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. Seems like, there we go. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He's the satisfaction. I want you. Now, we're going to go back. Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Again, just picking up an attitude about God's word. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 143. I spread out my hands to you. That's a picture of adoration and prayer, a relationship to God. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. If you're going to go outside and work today, maybe yesterday, do something, you got thirsty. The more you work outside, the more you got thirsty. Think of what the psalmist wants toward God. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote when he said, be diligent to Timothy. He said, be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not be, need to be ashamed. Now notice, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means, Timothy, you're going to be in God's word. You need to be there. Now someone says it takes time. It does. Let's think about it for a minute. How much time do you spend in the scriptures a week? We could narrow it down to a day, but we'll go for a week here. How much time do we? You say you don't have time. Well, maybe you could take out a paper and pencil later, do it on your computer, whatever. But write down how much time you spend, say, watching television or playing a video game or being on the computer for fun reasons, for hunting, fishing, texting, Facebook, other things you enjoy on your smartphone, how you play games. I mean, we could go on and on. People have told me how much they love to play games on their phone. I'm thankful I haven't found any games. Don't show me where they are. Um, why? Because of the idea of wasting time. Your family needs family Bible hour and worship, the evening service to help you grow. But there's that priority of the Lord's day and studying his word. Do we love studying God's word? Well, a godly father will also, father's stewardship includes love teaching the word. Look in Deuteronomy 6 again, verse 7. Hope you left your finger or something. Not, Don't leave your finger there. You know, but maybe, anyway. Deuteronomy 6, look at verse 7. You, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. The verse tells us that God wants us to make the word a natural part of our everyday lives. We ought to take every opportunity we can to talk about the word of God to, oh, we had it there, our children, and do it often. God's word should be a natural part of our conversation. Remember, verse 6 and on, he says, talking about them, binding them in our hearts, writing them on the wall. These words, you know, by the way, I just thought of something. I knew of a guy where he had a room where he would write Bible verses on the wall. Literally, he'd write them on the wall. I think it might have been a workroom or something. It just came to my mind about him doing that. But we need to spend time. And mom should be doing it as well. We need to be talking so we can give out the word of God. There are books to help us grow. Whether we purchase them, whether we get them from the library, those extra tools, I'm not talking about novels, but books to help us study. To attend a conference together, a family conference. And yet there are some people who take advantage of none of these. Think about it. How much time am I willing to help my children grow in the word? Well, it's going to begin by you wanting to grow 
and by proclaiming it. But there's one last thing we want to look at this morning. I'm going fast for some reason. I don't know, but anyway. A father's stewardship includes loving, living the word of God. I get to live it. I get to do it. Remember in school, at least I do, maybe you once, anyway, when the teacher said, I need somebody to erase the board, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But, oh, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And you wanted, I don't know what the fun was, but we all wanted to erase the board. Well, that's the attitude we ought to have, to want to do it. Moses is speaking symbolically here to encourage us to make the Bible affect everything we do. Look at verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I don't know. I know some of you have been over to Israel, but some of the Jewish people, especially Hasidic Jews, they will take what's called a phylactery. Jesus, the Pharisees talked about it, and Jesus talked about it, but it's a little box, just a small box, where they wear it on their forehead or strap it on their wrist or both. And in that box was this portion. They were taking, binding them on your hand as frontlets between your eyes, literally. Well, what he's saying there is they should be the forefront of our lives. But then he goes on, verse 9. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Simply put, make sure the word of God is governing your home. And that rests upon dad. Children know it. And if they didn't, they do not. Godliness is expected in our private lives as well as in public. Many Jews today take literally this portion of the doorpost. They, if you can picture a door, next to the door, on around the door, they'll put what's called a mezuzah. And again, look at here. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house. And so they put this on their house, over the door or next to it. And it's a little box, similar to what I was talking about. And inside it, are various Bible passages, usually this one or chapter 11. And they put those on a piece of paper by their door. And when they walk through the door, they touch it either with their hand or a finger and kiss it. It's showing their attitude toward the word. They touch it, kiss it. I don't think that's exactly what the passage is telling us. But what he's saying is it should be on the forefront of our thinking, the way we live, the way we move forth. Is it? Maybe even thinking about kind of moving in this direction. Do you have Bible verses any place on your walls in your home, the living room, the bathroom, yeah, the kitchen, the bedroom? Playroom. 
I mean, do we have them in pictures? We need to make our houses a reminder who God is, that we love him, and that we love living the word of God. See, as we reflect upon this, how do we see ourselves? We should be striving to follow God's word in our homes every day. We need to share God's word. A joy my wife and I had, I think I've shared this. If not, that's okay. And if I have, that's okay. About two years ago, we together read the Bible through, out loud, not making a single mistake, not making one error in pronunciation. Really. We had a rule. You don't correct me, I don't correct you. But we did it in a year. It was so great to do. It was fun to do. We need to focus upon God's word. Yes, with our children. We had several books, story books. Um, we'd read with our children as they were younger. They couldn't. Are we going to read before we go to bed? It was important. And it ought to be even today. How does the Bible fit into our family dads? It's Father's Day. Time to reflect. Many people today have a sort of ideas on how to make our society in America better. How can we make it better? Many think the answer is government. Many think education is the answer. Some think psychology has all the answers. Even so-called Christian psychology. But the real answer is the need that the world never gives them. Godly fathers and godly mothers, I call you to step up to the plate and seek to be the godly father we need to be. You say, well, I'm doing all those things and we need to do them better. As we close, and I said we're moving quicker this morning for some reason, but godly fathers will practice what we've seen today. Why? Because it's biblical. It's in the Word of God. And to become a godly father, we first need to call upon the Son that the Heavenly Father sent. Christ, who died for our sins and rose the third day. That's where we begin. Do you realize, dads, your children are on the road to hell unless they repent and turn to Christ. And the responsibility is yours. Not to save them, that's God, but to present the word that they might turn to a Savior. How are we doing? The question we need to answer. Let's pray. Father, we know this morning as we look at your word, it seems we've moved quickly, but, but the message is there before us. And help us to be the godly fathers we need to be. 
And as we leave this morning where we've been failing, might we admit it to you, even maybe to our wives and children, and then begin to live as we should before you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.